0: Hi, my name's Sean Sivils. I'm part of the teaching team here at First Baptist Wimberley. Today, we're gonna to start a new series called the, the Names or Titles of Jesus. And as we start, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been given a nickname by somebody, not a derogatory one, but a term of endearment, let's say? Um, my wife, Erin, she, uh, she calls our oldest son Sugar Bear. Uh, on occasion, I will call Erin Sweetheart or Babe. Uh, sometimes a, a nickname works and, and sometimes it doesn't. There's a, a lady in our church that recent called recently told me that I was a lovely boy. I don't know. Um, not really a nickname, maybe meant to be a compliment, but as a guy in, in my mind, uh, I'm thinking more like ruggedly handsome. Uh, and, and calling me an, a, a boy uh, kind of feels like calling an alligator a, a lizard. Uh, I don't know, maybe I have issues. But uh, I walked into the grocery store the other day and, and the cashier lady, she said, "'Honey, I can help you over here.'" And it just felt weird. Uh, without the relational attachment, a, a, a nickname, hun- Honey, feels kind of bizarre. Calling my, my wife sweetheart or babe has, has definitely grown in my heart and my mind as our relationship over the years has grown. And here's where I'm going with all this. Uh, the next four weeks, we're gonna look at the, na- the names or titles of Jesus and calling my wife sweetheart or babe grows in my heart and my mind as my relationship with her has grown over our years of marriage. And, and here's where I'm going with this. The next four weeks as we look at, at some different names and titles of Jesus, today being the Lord our Righteousness, they really gain significance as we understand them in a relational experience. And secondly, more than knowing that God is righteous, we are meant to experience his righteousness as we grow in relationship with him. So pray with me as we get started today. Lord God, I thank you that you are love, and I thank you that you have pursued us even before we knew of your goodness. And Jesus, I ask that today that you would stir the affections of our hearts, that that we would see the value of being in a right relationship with you. Give us today, Lord, your peace and your hope and joy as we turn away from the empty things that pull us away from you. And Lord, give me your words today. In Jesus' name, amen. The word righteous is is not a, a word that we use a lot. The Urban Dictionary De- defines it as a righteous dude is an awesome guy who is very fun to be with, usually associated with surfers. I think for a lot of people that maybe attend church, the the idea of righteousness is, is more like what the Cambridge Dictionary says. It says this, that believing you are better and more moral than other people. Actually, though, that's the Cambridge Dictionary's uh, definition for self righteous And it's not at all what we're going to be talking about today. So once again, the definition of self-righteous is believing that you are better and more moral than other people. And it's often expressed in an annoying or an offensive way. And so today, what is this idea of righteous? What is righteousness? And this name that we're gonna look at today, Lord of Righteousness, what is that all about? You know, we could talk in depths for days But being a student pastor, I really like for things to be simple. And so here we go with it. All of God's rules is an overflow of who he is. And the things that God delights in, the way he's created and ordained for things to be, these are his desires. And God created life. And as a factor of that, he's the only one that can create life. And because he says that life is sacred and it's it's for him starting over, God created life and, and he's the only one that can. Because of that, he says life is sacred and he is to decide when it begins and when it ends. His law or his rules for us not to kill each other, that's his decision. But when we rebel against him, and choose to live and pursue things that are unpleasing to him, he calls that wickedness. It goes against his character and his intended desire for how he wants things to be. God speaks everything into existence and it obeys him except for man. And we have all chosen to rebel and our actions affect the world around us. So what are we to do? Just obey the rules and and we're righteous. James chapter two, verse 10 says this, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. The truth is, is that we've all rebelled and we're all guilty. And our offense is not just a rule that is broken, but an almighty God that is offended against. We are deserving of the full anger and punishment of God. So what are we to do? Most of us, I think, we try to just fake it till we make it. And what I mean by that is, is that we think that if we can just be better than most, that we can somehow earn the favor of, of God back. And we build out our lives of self-righteousness and, and the, we're broken to the core. And it does nothing really to reconnect us with a God, but just tries to appease the level of guilt that we have. Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 through 11 says this, and and it really clears this up for me. It says, I once thought these things were valuable. Paul's talking here about this this self-righteous attempt to obey the law and the rules, but he says, "I, I now consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law, but rather I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself really depends on faith. And I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power of being raised from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that I will, in one way or another, will experience the resurrection from the dead. Earlier this year, we, we looked at the series, the, the Sermon on the Mount, and we, we talked a little bit about righteousness in that. And, and we, we talked about that phrase, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit is those that have by the divine favor of God have come to the sobering realization of our spiritual desperation. It's a realization of of our spiritual need and, and our helplessness to accommodate it. And because of this, my heart stops looking to my own abilities and resources to provide but takes a radical consuming shift to trusting God in Him alone. So where does this name, Jesus, Lord of Righteousness, come in? In the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 24, we find the the nation of Judah. As a part of what had once been this this larger nation, Israel, Judah had divided off, and and Jehoiakim now was the reigning king of, of Judah. And the Lord describes Jehoiakim's rule as this. He says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord chose to allow an ungodly nation, Babylon, to invade into Judah and take them into captivity. And some time passes by and Jehoiakim decides that he's going to rebel against Babylon and he's killed. And so Jehoiakim dies and his son, Jehoiachin, becomes king at the age of 18. And again, the Lord describes Jehoiachin's rule as this. He says that that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so this this story in 2 Kings, we now go to the prophet Jeremiah that says this. In Jeremiah chapter 33, and this is a a passage of scripture that describes the prophet's insight into the situation. It says this in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse one. When Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the Lord gave him a second message. And this is what the Lord says, "'The Lord who made the earth, "'who formed it and established it, "'whose name is the Lord, "'ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets "'which you do not know about things to come. "'And for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, "'You have torn down the houses of of this city "'and even the king's palace "'to get materials to strengthen the walls "'against the siege ramps and the swords of the enemy.'" You expect to fight the Babylonians, but the men of this city are already as good as dead, for I have determined to destroy them in my terrible anger, and I have abandoned them because of all their wickedness. Verse 6 says, Nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace, and I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns, I will cleanse them of their sins against me, and forgive them of all their sins of rebellion; Then this city will bring me joy and glory and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all of the good that I do for my people, and they will tremble with awe and the peace and prosperity that I will provide them. Verse ten. God's talking through Jeremiah, and he says, this is what the Lord says. You have said that this is a desolate land where people and animals have all disappeared. Yet in the empty streets of Jerusalem and Judah's other towns, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and laughter. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will be heard again, along with the joyous songs of people bringing thanksgiving and offerings to the Lord And they will sing, "'Give thanks to the Lord of heaven. "'His armies of the Lord is good, "'and his faithful love endures forever. "'For I will restore the prosperity of this land. "'What is it was the past,' says the Lord. "'And this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. "'The land, though it is now desolate, "'has no more people or animals. "'Give thanks to the Lord of heaven's armies, "'for the Lord is good.'" His faithful love endures forever. And skipping down to verse 15 and 16, the Lord says this, In those days at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line, and he will do what is just and right throughout the land. And in that day, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safely. And this will be his name, the Lord our Righteousness. And we find this promise in Jeremiah of of God providing a righteous Savior. Righteousness is more than a character trait of God. The Old Testament people saw righteousness as, as God's actions done in fulfillment of a covenant that he made with his people and for his glory. God tells Jeremiah, he says, I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on earth in those that I delight. You know, a lot of times I think about uh, my rebellion against God and, and the times that my heart is so prone to wander away from him. And it, I think of Corey Asbury's song of, called Egypt, and it really describes my heart. It says this, I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart, because you found me and you freed me. You held back the waters for my release. Oh, Yahweh, you're the God who fights for me, the Lord of every victory. Hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea. You have led me through the deep. Hallelujah. A cloud by day and a sign that you are with me and the fire by night is your guiding light to my feet. You have found me, Lord. You have freed me. You held back the waters for my release. You stepped into my Egypt. You took me by the hand. You marched me out in freedom into the promised land. And I will not forget you. I will sing of all that you've done for me. Death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love because you have stepped into my Egypt and you have taken me by the hand. You have led me into freedom into the promised land. We are meant to experience the righteousness of God and the affection of my heart grows as my relationship grows with him. The Lord is my righteousness. There was a time in my life that I was stuck in sin and, and, and to describe me would be to say that I was stained with sin. Have you ever felt accused and ashamed of your sin and struggles? I knew I didn't belong in the presence of God. But Jesus stepped in when I was powerless to change my situation. Jesus rescued me. He redeemed me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says this, that by his doing that we are in Christ Jesus who became for us, that is Jesus became for us the wisdom from God and the righteousness, the sanctification and the redemption. Jesus atoned for my sin. He paid the debt that I owed. He cleansed me. Scripture talks about how he's clothed me in righteousness, that when God looks at me, that my very appearance is the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, that he made me, he restored me into a right relationship with him. You know, these things really gain significance as I understand them in a relational attachment, that this name of Jesus, Jesus, my righteousness, is not just a character trait that I'm supposed to know about him, but I'm meant to experience it as I experience a relationship with him. And there's an affection in my heart that has filled me. Listen to these verses as I close today. Psalm chapter 51, verse 14, just talking about this affection of our hearts for the Lord and what he's done for this, says this, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, for you are the God, my savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Psalm chapter 71, verse 24 says, my tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. Isaiah 45 verse 8 says this, O Lord, open up the heavens and pour out your righteousness like rain. Psalm 85 verse 10 and 11 says, Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Psalm 85 verses 10 through 11 says this, Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth, and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Where are you at with the Lord today? Is there a a term, Lord, my righteousness, that speaks affections from your heart? Or do you feel uncomfortable when you think about those titles of Jesus? Where are you at in your relationship with him? The Bible says that God invites us to come before him, that if we will confess our sins, that if we will agree with God that we have all wandered off into captivity of the the choices that we've made. If you will receive the forgiveness of God today, he desires to rescue you, to bring you back into right relationship with him, to bring righteousness to your life. He wants to clothe you in this right relationship. If you'll just pray and and ask jesus lord i'm yours take control of my life forgive me of my sin and be the boss of my life thank you for saving me and thank you for making a right place for me to be with you he'll do that today pray with me as we close god i thank you so much that lord this idea of righteousness is, is more than just a character trait of who you are, but God, that you have invited us to experience your righteousness in a relationship with you. God, thank you that that you are willing to forgive us of our sin. And God, thank you that you uh, desire us to be in your presence. Lord, I pray for listeners today that, that maybe you're struggling with the feeling of of, man, I am far from the Lord and there's nothing I can do to make my way back to him. God, I thank you that that you pursue us. God, that you come and find us when our heart is ready to turn to you, when you give us the faith and the trust to believe you. God, thank you that you seek us out and that you redeem us, God. Lord, I pray for folks that are struggling with that today, that you would give them the faith. Father, give them the words to speak back to you and to return to you. Thank you for rescuing us. And thank you for this righteousness. You are truly the Lord, our righteousness. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening today.